This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. It's another post-game edition of our podcast. Just letting you know ahead of time, for many of you, you may just find us on your podcast, but many lately have been subscribing to our YouTube channel. We appreciate that. This particular episode will not be up on the YouTube channel. Just some issues here, technical difficulties on our end. Look for more on the YouTube channel coming up uh, next game week, but let's get back to it. From an audio standpoint, we'll give you the best we got. And some people are calling for it again, a therapy session tonight, Sean. I don't know how well we'll be able to deliver on that, but we've parsed through some numbers. We have some thoughts. At the end of the day, it's going to be a 21-17 loss we're talking about for the Nittany Lions. A late touchdown by Eric All, tight end for Michigan, 47 yards on touch to the end zone. Uh, puts the Wolverines ahead late after Penn State rallied a bit early in the fourth quarter. Four out of the last five games now defeats for Penn State since a 5-0 and start. Not exactly how you, uh, well, exactly how I drew it up in terms of score exactly. prediction. I had, I had Michigan winning 21 to 17 as it finished. Um, not too proud about, not too happy about that. As you, as we pointed out, uh, on, uh, or you pointed out on Twitter the other night, we'd rather both be wrong about this one. But unfortunately, Michigan hit the big play when it counted there, uh, at the end. Penn State put themselves in a position to win this game, um, forced the fumble, kicked the field goal, went up three points. Um, but you, you can look and you can shoot holes all through this game. I mean, this was one you're coming away. And as if, if you're a Penn state fan watching this game, it's an all too familiar feeling you're coming away thinking could have been so much more and just ended up falling, falling flat. Once again, uh, James Franklin said afterward, those key plays, those four to six plays per game, Penn state is just not getting, and he's really right about that one. Yeah, this was uh, another matchup. And and look, when you lose four four games now by a total of 18 points, you're, you're damn right you're going to be able to find a few plays every game that make you really lose sleep at night if you're James Franklin and if you're this Penn State coaching staff and certainly the players. And by the way, Jaquan Brisker after this matchup saying they still feel like they can beat any team in the country on any given Saturday. Kevon Lee says the goal is still to finish this season playing like the best college football program in America and yet you say, hey, you've got these four losses and it's really hard for them to reconcile with right now because it has been so swift and it hasn't been like they've gone out there and gotten rolled up over the course of a game each time. Like you said, it's hinged on a few things. There were some early, incredibly aggressive special teams calls that we're going to talk about in just a moment. Um, ultimately, though, there were a couple factors that led each of us, I think, at the end of the day to, to pick Michigan to win by narrow margins, albeit was the fact that Michigan had a ground game that it could lean on when it needed to, whether it was trying to put away a game late or take some heat off its quarterback. That happened for them over the course of this matchup. The other is the fact that off the edge particularly, but really over the course of this game, that defensive front for Michigan, what a talented bunch. And, and, and they took Penn State's lunch money in a lot of ways uh, this afternoon at Beaver Stadium. Seven sacks for the Wolverines, uh, most of them coming with uh, through Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, who gave Penn State's tackles 
more than they can handle all day, specifically Caden Wallace. You see why we rank Caden Wallace as a guard at 24-7 sports, just continues to struggle with speed off the edge, um, especially Ojabo. Um, five sacks in the first half, couple in the second half, and and those were on Sean Clifford in the second half. But still, I mean, that's a product of the the, the scenario that he's in sitting there. You know, he got beat up today, just flat out took some shots. Some of them he put himself in, in the way of, and the other ones really couldn't do much about it. Um, you know, you, you kind of feel for him in terms of taking those hits, but, uh, you know, he went back out there, got the lead back for Penn state, wasn't able to cash in. It's just, uh, it, it's just frustrating, man. You're watching this team and, and if you're a couple plays here, a couple plays there away from being eight and one or whatever it might be right now, that's fine. But if you just, repeatedly find yourself in this situation over and over and over again, and you can't turn that corner, maybe you're not as close as you think you are. There was a moment in time this fall, not that long ago, and on this very podcast where you could feel like you could compartmentalize their struggles and what they were dealing with because so much of it was about Sean Clifford's health. And even after that game against Illinois, just that ultimate clunker, you say, okay, well, those two games, those two outcomes, you can attribute to a a really dire situation at quarterback. But now you get through the last couple of games and you fought hard at Ohio State, but you were in a dogfight, of course, uh, at Maryland, a tie game in the fourth quarter. And then you, you lose a narrow one here against Michigan. And you start to say, oh, if this is a one loss team without if that injury doesn't happen. It starts to say, well, maybe it, no, even if that injury happens, there's still maybe a three loss team over the course of the game. And, and you start to just, again, continue to recalibrate where you were in September and October because those same issues they were issues. We were saying these are things that could trip up Penn State. They did trip up Penn State, and now they're coming to define this entire season for Penn State. That is where it's at. The things that were problematic, and we were talking about potential roadblocks for a 5-0 and team, they are now uh, – that's the label. I mean, these are the kind of things that are being applied to the 2021 team that when we look back two, three, four years down the road and say, what do you remember about 2021? You'll remember that they couldn't run the football, and, and that's probably the first thing you'll mention, and then you'll get the other, all the other stuff – but that's really where we're at with the conversation. And you've got two games and James Franklin coming out of this one saying they really want to work on things uh, on the ground game. They want to take that next step, but you got two games left. You got Rutgers coming in, you finish on the road against Michigan state, and then you've got a bowl game that's going to carry a very little buzz compared to where Penn state thought they might be in the postseason. So you're running out of time to correct things. And right now, you're really starting to venture into a pivot point where you feel like you've got a good idea of, of who's hit their ceiling on the roster and you want to start to peel back the curtain a bit on some other guys. And oh, by the way, a lot of evaluation to do right now for this coaching staff. A lot of evaluation to do on this coaching staff. I mean, this uh, is that's not what I mean. A, I mean, yeah, this is a, a lot to talk about there in the next few weeks. Well, that's the thing you keep going back to is, is you mentioned the run game and that's great. And James Franklin, like three answers in the post game went right back to the run game. And and that's a legitimate concern. It has been, and they need to do better, even though they did okay today, they got some chunks on the ground, which they're not really used to getting, but you just look and, and just spread this all over the the roster, spread it all over the building, uh, coaching calls, running a, a fake field goal to your punter, uh, slash kicker, who is a really athletic guy, but you're you're asking a lot of chips to fall in place against a pretty good defense um, in their own right for that to happen. Then you get get to certain spots where you have players that have made plays in the in the past. I mean, Clifford uh, missing Theo Johnson, uh, just the little things here. The, missing Theo Johnson by a couple of feet 
Theo can't get his body turned around and get into the end zone. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're doing a fake field goal or um, trying to hit John Lovett across the middle. And Lovett had a terrible game today uh, with, with drops and things like that, but maybe you give him a chance to score a touchdown there. It's just these, these little things. And I tweeted this before halftime, just these, these key plays that just keep popping up. Brandon Smith on a third down, Brandon Smith is potentially an incredible linebacker. And then, every week seems to go out and try and lay a shoulder into somebody and be more physical than them. And that guy bounces off and gets eight it's more pinball. Yards. He has this tendency where he's, he becomes a pinball out there it's and you're like, you think he's going to be a battering ram in a spot. And then all of a sudden he's a pinball and you're just wondering where's the disconnect. And, and you're right. It pops up over and over and over. And we're talking about a buckets award. Semifinals, the guy that with all the talent being projected to maybe be a, a, a top tier draft prospect, but here, what we've seen at Penn state, we've watched every game of his career. Uh, it just has not come to, uh, it hasn't been the complete product. And this is kind of the consistent Achilles heel of, of Brandon Smith out in space and all of a sudden bouncing off a guy and not wrapping up. And you're not searching per, for perfection here. I mean, this is this is college football. It's it's uh, beautifully imperfect, to be honest with you. Um, and it's and it's something where if you give up a, a touchdown or some points or something like that, that that's okay. That happens. I mean, this this defense has been on point for most of the year, and then they go up and they they, they give away a, a play at the end of the game, which was a really really nice call by Michigan. But it, it, it's tough because you're just so close to making some of these in-between plays that set up the the deciding ones. And that's really where you find yourself behind the eight ball there. And Michigan probably shouldn't have scored in the first half, but you find yourself making these, these little plays where you put yourself in, in worse position and worse position. Then all of a sudden your back's against the wall and you give up a touchdown there. So um, that I think that's the most frustrating part from the, from the player standpoint, then you get to the end of the game and understand you don't have Jahan Dotson. You wouldn't have had Jahan Dotson. I mentioned this um, on the site and on, on and on Twitter as well. Even if you call a timeout, I know that's a that's a rule that's been in the past. Maybe it changed in college football. Maybe it was just a pro rule. I don't know. I didn't look at it too closely. But you you can't call a timeout and bring him back onto the field according to the NCAA football rules. Um, but you find yourself throwing to Cam Sullivan Brown twice, Malik Mega once. Dotson's not in there. That's really, really what's hard to swallow here is because you, you've you got these guys that have been so productive for you um, Theo, in a secondary role, Theo Johnson and Parker Washington, and you're, you're going down the field to Cam Sullivan Brown, who's got four catches all year. I mean, that, that that's some of the stuff that that is really, really hard to process if you're a Penn State fan, putting yourself in the position in, to make plays for some guys and then and other times just not giving yourself a chance. And those are not like safety net throws by any stretch of the imagination to Cam Sullivan Brown. And that's kind of been his wheelhouse at Penn State is, is kind of being a short to intermediate guy uh, on receptions. And and yet it was more like, you know, 50-50 contested ball situations way downfield when you have two yards to pick up. And you mentioned this on that final possession for Penn State. Uh, Malik Mega, his second career catch, set them up with a third and two, um, opting not to get the ground game involved. And uh, I thought that was even, you know, that even more notable that not just opting to, to not get the ground, ground ground game involved with Jahan Dotson's sideline and a fourth and two. I know they don't have trust in the short yardage, and, and that's what James Franklin said. But, you know, having the timeouts in their back pocket there, um, the way their defense had played for much of the day, 
Um, that was also a surprise to me because I, I, you know, they gave the ball back to Michigan and maybe Hassan Haskins would have done it regardless because he became that, that kind of, uh, bowling ball with knives attached to him as the game wore on. And that's the kind of running back as he is 36 touches, 205 yards. I think he was right around there, but it was a battle of attrition. And ultimately he was able to put this one away late, which was Penn state's Achilles heel in a lot of situations this year. and, And again, today, but they were able to hand the ball off to him, ice the game. And, and I think before we go too far down the road talking defense, I'm just going to tell you, look at these games that they've lost. You gave up 23 points at Iowa. You gave up 10 points in regulation against Illinois. You gave up 33 against Ohio State. Now, 33 sounds like a lot of points to a lot of people, but that's go check the Ohio State matchups over the course of this year. 33 points is not a lot for them. And then 21 for Michigan. This ain't on the defense. No, and 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 they've had their moments, and I think that's really what it comes down to when you're evaluating this defense. I mean, I, I, um, you know, was just looking on Twitter, and I don't know why I get any observations or anything from Twitter, and someone's like, "This defense sucks." I'm like, "No, if, if that's your expectation, just kind of stop watching football." I mean, you, you the defenses are going to give up. College defenses are going to give up points. They're going to give up yards and things like that. Um, they've been in position to to take it. And I think the the qualm that you have with the defense today is they got their turnover. They got their big splash play. Arnold Evicati, who was fantastic today, came around with a strip sack. Tangelo falls on it, puts you in prime position to score a touchdown, use some clock, do whatever. Basically go three and out, have to kick a field goal. Points are points. Points are gold in this, in this scenario. Uh, but at the same time, you – pretty much got yourself in position and then you come out and you give up the big play. I think that's the frustrating part for this, for this defense is, is they did their job. They got them where they needed to be. And the offense once again, does not take complete control of things. And then you turn it back and you say the offense, well, they got them some points. That's great. Um, now it's time for the, the defense to take care of their thing. And, you know, you just, you couldn't roll with it. And that was, that was frustrating. Like I said, really good play call to uh, the Michigan was was just going to drag Penn State across the middle to death. And that's really what popped up at the end there. Kalen King's trailing Eric all ran into one of his own players. Uh, I think it was Daquan Hardy or something like that. Hardy. He, it looked like to me like Hardy was, and by the way, holy crud, the, some of the officials today, I think, I don't know if it's the same one, but they Watch were all over the thing. field. Yeah, yeah. Th- oh, yeah. We don't want to get fined here. Um, we, I, from what I saw here, it looked like Hardy was actually trying to avoid the, an official, and, and that led to kind of him, the trajectory of those two colliding. I'll have to take another look, but that's what it looked like to me. And, and one fell swoop, and all of a sudden, uh, it, it, it frees all, uh, and he goes all the way. Brisker talking about this one, very careful. Basically, he called it a pick play, and if you watch it, Penn State picked their own player. Yeah. And well, I mean, you should have just ran over the ref. Everybody else did all day. These guys were in the line of fire uh, quite a bit. But yeah, there was a lot of those natural picks, if you will. Uh, Penn State tried to run a few of them as well, weren't as successful as Michigan. So, Um, but yeah, you put yourself in that position and and the big play comes. It's kind of just exactly what happened against Iowa there at the end. You got the big pass play and, um, you know, you weren't able to, to, to strike back in the end there. So, but it's just, you, you know, you could talk about, is it players? Is it execution, personnel, whatever? I mean, it's all going to call fall back on James Franklin, isn't it? I mean, that's that's really what uh, what he's there for. That's what he makes the money for. And you know, at the end of the day, four four losses in the last five games. I mean, you've got plenty of questions about about where that one stands right now. Because as I said, you, you're not 
as close as you think you are if you keep ending up in this situation and not getting over the hump. Yeah, and you know it was brought up during the post game press conference that Penn State carries that ten and nine record, and Franklin and company did a really good job uh, of convincing a lot of people um, that that zero and five was going to need to be put in its own box and buried in the backyard, and really should not be attributed to what they want to be about here with the, the program. Now they are losing games in a much different fashion this year than they did last year when they were getting just blown out, but. Win loss record, it is what it is, 10 and 9. And then if you go back to when they started 8 and 0, went to Minnesota, were number four in that opening college football playoff rankings, 13 and 11 since that point. Um, so that's not good when it starts to stack up and you're right around that 500 mark and the you know, streakiness and, and you know, a 5 and 0 streak is, is followed by this and, uh, and the 0 and 5 is followed by another streak. So uh, yeah, it's really confusing to figure out where James Franklin is right now in terms of of, of his how kind of himself as a commodity across college football, because we were talking about this in such a different light in the first week of October about can Penn State do everything it can possibly could to, to make sure that they retain his services. And now the, the conversation is. Will there be someone trying to blow James Franklin away with an offer um, and other and if not, what are the conversations that need to take place between him and the Penn State administration about the 10 and 9 record in the last couple of years then the 13 and 11 record over the past 24 games? And how is he going to have to make some concessions on what he's going to do with his staff and maybe some guy he's, he, that he feels very loyal to and going to have to look himself in the mirror and, and, and reevaluate that. Now, that's a conversation for two, three, four, five weeks down the road, really, in, in reality. But those are the kind of conversations this is trending toward. And I don't think either of us saw that kind of outcome uh, when we were talking about this program, uh, you know, five and zero, or, or, or even at five and two, to be honest with you. Yeah. Tough conversations. And your, your most explosive player that, and James Franklin singled him out of the game, Jahan Dotson, um, your most explosive player is going to the NFL after this year. So what do you do to revamp that offensive attack? You brought in Mike Yersich to much fanfare and, not getting it done in terms of just putting the points up. I mean, you you look at the the past guys that have been here and they've all put up better points per game numbers. And um, you know, you could talk about execution and and the run game and ex and all that kind of stuff, but those points eventually fell into place for those other guys and they have not. Uh for Mike Yersitz, that's a really, really tough thing to look at this offensive uh personnel and say, why, why aren't they not getting it done? And Really, just if we're if we're sticking to the the micro here with with Michigan, you're mm-hmm. looking at an offense that just cannot finish, struggles to finish, um, taking three points far too often, finding themselves in a position where they have to fake a punt and fake a field goal in the same quarter um, because they feel that they have that's the way to be more aggressive to beat a Michigan team. And and Franklin even said that afterward. He said they called the game in a manner that they thought they may have to steal a couple, basically. Um, and that's that's worrisome where you've got an offense or you've got a team that was in, at one point in the, in the top five and you're worried about stealing possessions. You're worried about stealing points um, with, uh, with passes to your, to, to your punter, essentially you right. know, kicker. So, right. um, yeah. so that's, that's really tough to, that's really tough to stomach. I mean, you look at the numbers in the first half and, uh, pull them up right here and Penn state lost its opportunity right here. I mean, the first quarter outgained Michigan 145 to 15, and that includes 18 yards on the uh, 18 yards lost on the fake field goal. They ran 33 plays to Michigan six and they got three points out of it. 
I mean, that's, that's it right there. And, and you look at what Michigan has done this year, and it's kind of the reverse Michigan besides some, some Michigan writers is they go out and they, they've dominated the first quarter, the first half, and just haven't been able to, to push points across the line, whether it be three or six or whatever it have you. Um, but, but to have that much of a one-sided first quarter and turn it into a 3-0 lead at the end of the first quarter, that's tough to stomach. And then Michigan, of course, spun it in the second quarter, basically did the exact opposite, got 11 and a half minutes of possession in the second quarter, really dictated how things were going. I thought Haskins was fantastic. 31 carries for 156 yards, tough carries. Um, and it wasn't like he was gashing them like uh like uh chase brown for illinois his longest carry today man yeah his his longest carry today was 17 yards and that's uh that's saying something he he averaged five yards a carry and there were plenty of carries where he didn't go anywhere to the to the defense's credit but at the same time you know what does james franklin and what has he said 10 times this year be able to run the ball when everybody in the building knows that you're going to run the ball. Michigan was able to do that. They closed out the game because of it. And Penn State was not able to do what they needed to do to put them to put themselves in position to do that. And he also talked about being able to protect your quarterback when everyone knows that you need to that it's a passing down situation. They couldn't really do either of those effectively uh, today. And and you mentioned. Michigan's success uh, with ha- with Haskins and 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 the way he was finishing runs. I'll tell you what, it was everything that they have lacked for Penn State. It was it was total juxtaposition of what we have seen because it felt like he was squeezing somehow an extra yard and a half out of every run. We kind of talked about Noah Kane in this light in 2019, but he was lowering his shoulder, not risking ball security, but it felt like he was always you know, half of his body was landing forward and he was picking up these yards where what you thought might be a third and three, third and four was a third and one. And usually it was him, a couple fourth down and short conversions. They did stop one of them, but as the game wore on, especially at the end, just too much, too much. And and like I said, a battle of attrition that that Penn state was not ready to, to win today. Um, And Sean, when, when you talk about that, First quarter, uh, that was exactly what happened. A lot of trips into Michigan territory and very few points to show for them. Six possessions for Penn State reached Michigan territory. Another reached the 50-yard line. Um, and yet we're, we're talking about two field goals, uh, a touchdown, and that two-point conversion. And 28 minutes, uh, they produced six points. They had a 100-second burst there in the fourth quarter where they had 11 points, Sean. And Arnold Evicata had the forced fumble. The other 28 minutes of this game, and it was a very evenly contested game in time of possession. I thought this was going to be a ball control game for the Wolverines. To Penn State credit, it was not. But regardless, they could not produce points off that. And that was a surprise to me. I thought if you had told me the time of possession would essentially be even, um, and, and I, I, I would have had, I would have said, I really like Penn state's opportunities in this game, but just could not come up with a big plays. And, and McNamara had the protection of a running game and, and Penn state hasn't been able to really get after the quarterback with a high level of consistency. It's really been uh, in many ways, a one man show with, with Arnold Evicati. And it was again today, two sacks and the forced fumble. And he's been such an outstanding pickup for Penn state. But in McNamara's case, that was the only time uh, that he was really rocked. There were a couple of close calls. Penn State did get Jesse Luketa back. He was playing Mike Linebacker. He was playing defensive end. He was flying around the field, was big to get him back, but wasn't that pass rush presence. Um, so I thought that was the difference here where 
McNamara was able to settle into this game and get more comfortable as things went went on and, and react to the Penn State defense. Sean Clifford played his best football in that first quarter, and those t- those hits took a toll. There was the seven sacks, but there were other hits, and series by series, he was getting to the sideline slower. And unfortunately, like I said, we saw our best version of Sean Clifford in the first quarter. And that is as good as we have seen Sean Clifford, by the way, since the first half at Iowa. From a movement standpoint, absolutely. Yes. I mean, you won't believe it. Penn State ran the ball better than Michigan. And that's uh, – you take sacks at it, of course, and that's how they're they're adjusted in there. 153 yards on the ground, and that includes Jordan Stout's minus 18 yards to 158 without sacks for Michigan. That's 4.1 yards per carry for Michigan, 4.4 yards for Penn State. So a slight advantage there, but given what we expected coming into the game – that's uh, you know, much better than we thought Penn State would handle it. And that's kind of why it was interesting to hear James Franklin talk about the run game three or four times in the post game because it was fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. Kevon Lee, four and a half or 4.4 yards per carry, 20 carries, 88 yards, uh, was ripping up chunks there from time to time. And, and it's amazing how low the bar is for Penn State's ground game right now where we're talking chunks or 10-yard carries or something like that. As I said, John Levitt, I mean, I – I don't know, man. It's it just three drops, not in the position that he needed to be in to, to be the guy that makes the plays. He got the start today, four carries, 17 yards, including a 10-yard run. So his touches, uh, very minimal. He had a four-yard catch as well. Um, but uh, it's really tough to uh, – Really tough to to generate any sort of confidence in any of those guys. I mean, Lee was once again good, but you know he, he's not the fastest guy out there. He's going to grind you out some yards, and he's going to do a a decent job of what he does. But you, you're just lacking something else there, and that's really unfortunate. Now, uh, going back to our question from last week, I mean, Lee does. I mean, he was decidedly better than those other guys. Noah Kane got in there for a couple of plays um, when Lee got banged up there at the end. Um, But other than that, we didn't really see him at all. And Devin Ford maybe played a couple of snaps in his return here. So Lee far and away the most productive guy, but still that, that bar, that bar is pretty low. Going back to what you said in your previous answer, just, just lacks um, this, this team just lacks any sort of um, complimentary momentum. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you're not having an offense feed off a of defense and vice versa. I mean, you think of last week against Maryland, you got the pick six. Well, the, the defense put those put, or put those points on the board themselves. Um, today, you get a strip sack in prime field position. You just get three out of it. And that's uh, you, you kind of thought the game had turned on its head at that point. And then all of a sudden Michigan comes back and and gets the strike, sucks the sucks the air out of the entire building. And that's kind of where you set, uh, you know, going back and forth. So uh, complimentary football is, is huge. Penn State doesn't play a whole bunch of it, but complimentary momentum is not something you think about very often. It's just, it's very hard to come by for Penn State these days. Lee had 88 yards on those 20 carries and he was not available there at the goal line. And you're thinking, man, he he led the charge in a lot of ways for them to get down, trying to, to tie the game. And they brought in Devin Ford. You're thinking, wow, fourth, was it fourth down and goal fourth with and Devin goal. Ford yeah. on the field? Like we all thought it would be. Um, and it was a in the heck of a formation. pass. 
I mean, a heck of a catch. I mean, the, the, the pass was there, but Tyler Warren made the catch of his career to this point. And he hasn't had a bunch of them, but this was a big moment for him pulling that one down. That's the kind of catch that Pat Fryermuth made here for a few years. Um, and such a such a quality end zone target, just able to box out defenders and bring that ball in. Saw a little bit of that from Tyler Warren. And then same area of the end zone, Clifford looks in the direction of his top target, Jahan Dotson. And although this is not the game where you uh, talk about the highlight reel for Jahan Dotson again, he had some tremendous clutch catches that <laughs> Clifford took full advantage of having him on the field uh, a couple on on fourth down a, a third yard a third and long gain all these in the in the in the second half of the game in the fourth quarter during that drive um, and unfortunately not available for that final play as you said NCAA rule dictates that whether Penn State had called a timeout or not uh, at the end there Jahan Dotson needed to be sidelined for one play of action. So they needed to pick up a first down without him on the field. The play calling was certainly questionable, but you can't question the personnel decision to not have Dotson on the field. Nine catches, 61 yards. I, I did, and I told you this when we were walking back to the press box after the post-game press conference, little surprised that James Franklin took this moment to call out a lack of explosive plays around Jahan Dotson. Um, he said, you know, aside from John, Jahan Dotson, we're not getting enough explosive plays from this offense. And so you kind of look at what happened today. I thought Parker Washington was one of his better games of the season in terms of, of game-changing kind of plays. He had a 44-yard gain. He had another that went over 25. He gained up four catches, 92 yards on the day. Now, you had Theo Johnson with a 19-yard gain that got you right at the goal line. Um, um, and, and you had some runs. I mean, look, Clifford had an 18-yard run. Kevon Lee had a 15-yard run. Um, John Lovett had a 10-yard run. I know that's not qualified as explosive, but Clifford giving 18 yards on the ground is something. And this, on this team, I know, is, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know these numbers aren't like, oh, my gosh, it's the Saquon Barkley, Mike Kosicki, Deshaun Hamilton, McSorley version. No, I'm not saying that. But where the, where the uh, standard is right now for this offense and what you're getting out of the explosive plays and, and alongside Jahan Dotson, just it felt like a strange game for, for Franklin to go vocal on that because I look at this and I think, well, Parker Washington made a bunch of explosive plays. Theo Johnson made an explosive play. Um, and and you had a couple in the ground game, which which has been missing. So um, I, I understand the frustration, but I thought it was a, a – I don't know. I just thought it was a strange time to go there um, after this one. Maybe a strange time, but I mean, he's not wrong. You look at what Penn State has done this season and it's and you look at this box score and it kind of lines up. Uh, Longest play of the day, a 44 yard uh, catch and run by Parker Washington. That wasn't a touchdown. I mean, they're not right. scoring long touchdown. They're well, not breaking it. It's, the, it's yeah. the running game. It's the running game. I mean, yeah. this is what I mean, because he kept he kept attaching the running game. And, you know, let, let's be real. His comments weren't really about those wide receivers because they've had big plays from the wide receivers. And if you were counting on Cam Sullivan Brown to come up with one right now and near the end of his fifth year, that's then that's on you. But this is the ground game. I mean, it's the we're talking about. Wow, look, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's on them. That and by you, I meant James Franklin in this situation. But 15 yards, I'm like, I'm like raving about a 15 yard gain from Kevon Lee, and I'm pointing out a 10 yard gain from Kevon uh, from John Lovett. And and what did Jay One Sider say a couple weeks ago? They used to have some of these explosive plays in a single game exceeding what they had for the first eight games of this of this season it is just such a steep drop and man that's why I thought when Clifford's going out there and he's picking up 18 yards early and 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 he's moving moving the chains with his legs a couple different times and he's being aggressive I I think okay if that can sustain for four quarters Penn State's probably going to win this game he took his shots you know said on the pregame show they might get to the finish line with a win if Sean Clifford plays that way but he's going to be 
battered. They didn't get to the finish line with a win. It didn't hold up for him as a runner, and he still got battered. Um, and you can't be that reliant on Sean Clifford to be your everything. And that wasn't supposed to be the plan when we talked about Penn State going into the season. And game after game after game, it clearly has to be. He has to be sparking big plays in the passing game certainly with help from his wide receivers, or he has to be producing big plays on the ground because you look around him and the backfield's giving you nothing. And Penn State, year after year, regardless of the offensive coordinator, they have gotten big plays game after game. Who, who be it? I mean, Ricky Slade had moments for this team where he went off. No one's done it. No one's done it. And, and it's just, you just wonder how it's even possible through 10 games where that moment hasn't come for someone. I mean, even accidentally stumbling your way into some kind of huge moment where you're running for 160 yards in a matchup, it's not not happening regardless of who the opponent is, and it's just something needs to be answered for. And and it, that that I think is is really the undeniable focus here now for the fans, for James Franklin, is why are you so poor at running the football, and and how can you possibly take it from this to a major pendulum swing because it can't just be marked improvements, Sean. It needs to be a revamp of whatever you're doing right now because you want to compete for Big Ten titles. This is the path of most resistance if you want to try to do it without a ground game to lean on. Well, it's the ground game, but it just goes back to points and and they're not getting that. They're not getting close to that. And, um, you know, there are weeks when Purdue can put up 40 some points or um, I'm not going to say Iowa, but what, you know, Wisconsin has, has, <laughs> has scored some points in the last couple of weeks. Rutgers scored 38 points today. I don't know how they they got them all against Indiana, but these, these teams are scoring points. I mean, you can laugh and joke about the style of play in the Big Ten, but the the points per game are fairly similar to some of these others big time schools around the country. So um, at, at the end of the day, if you're not putting points up and that, as we've seen in this, uh, this James Franklin era, no matter who the offense coordinator is, they come from big plays. They come from splash plays. And if you can't have that, you need something to fall back on to be consistent. Like, Cause let's be honest, moving the football was not the issue today. Penn state put up 332 yards, Michigan at 361. So fairly similar. Um, you know, you take some of the sack yardage out of there and, and, the, and the, the f- fake field goal stuff. Um, but yeah, Penn state feels it needs to do something to, um, counterbalance its own offense. And that's, that's a problem in itself. They don't trust their offense. They don't trust their ability to pick up yards on, on third and shorts and fourth and shorts and fourth and goals and third and goals. And when you don't trust yourself, you end up again, 43 passes today for Sean Clifford in a very tight game. McNamara through 29, a, a lot of dropbacks for Clifford against a, a, a defense like this with edge rushers like this. That's a lot of dropbacks. And, and again, without that safety net of a run game, Man, that 43, and, and, and I said, now three three games here, Sean, last three games for Clifford, he's almost to 140 pass attempts in the last three games. Yeah, and, and we know that's what, what it's going to be when you don't have a run game. I mean, you're going to lean, uh, you know, we, call, we, we called that balance this week where go with what's making you successful and then just lean on that and that'll be your balance. Um, but it, it, it's tough to comprehend how, how they've gotten here just in terms of, uh, the offensive line is nowhere near what they made it out to be in the preseason. You know, you're struggling all over the place. Mike Miranda, by the way, left uh, after that fake field goal, did not come back. So there was some um, some movement in there. Juice Scruggs went to center. Bryce Hefner came in at left guard. 
pretty much the same results. Um, you know, you, you did run the ball a little bit better, but at the same time, I mean, there's, there's, there's no quick, there's no quick fix on that offensive line, as you can see. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, you're searching for the explosion and it's just, it's, it's not there. It almost looks like you're trying to put yourself in a position to outcoach the other side and being too creative in the process. We saw a lot of those middle screens today that just did not work at all. We saw a lot of things, um, where you just get away from it and all of a sudden you're sitting at third and eight instead of, uh, maybe second or excuse me, third and four or something like that. So I, I feel like there's probably a little bit of overcompensation going on, um, with the coaches, with the players and things like that. And when you're not executing, you're not hitting your throws, you're not putting it, uh, putting your guys in your, in, in the right spot to be there. Um, you're going to get dysfunction and that's what it is right now. I know no one wants to see a full season of Will Levis versus Rutgers 2020, but here's how the rushing stats line up from last year to this year. And, and they fired their offensive coordinator after last year and they brought in Mike Yursich and we've seen a nice turnaround with Sean Clifford, but what an absolute tank job right now. When you look about the effectiveness of this ground game last year in the nine games, despite all the struggles and all the losses early uh, Penn state went 100 plus rushing yards in six of those games. They went over 240 yards rushing in five of those games this year, they've gone over 100 rushing yards three times in 10 games. They went for 109 today. They've maxed out against Power 5 opponents with 209 versus Indiana. I mean, it, it's a cliff, and then you just make that whistle sound of an anvil dropping. I thought you would actually give us the uh, give us the. Sound I don't trust. I don't trust my whistle enough to try it here. No, I don't blame you. Don't blame me at all. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's tough to see them. You know, and we're, it's tough to talk about every week. Just uh, we keep yeah, saying absolutely. the same thing over and over again. Um, We've been covering then, these running backs since they were in high school. They all thought they were going to come here, be awesome for three years, and go to the NFL. That's the plan when you come to a school like Penn State and the guys who were here before did what they did, and you're coming to play for J1 Sider. And this is what Penn State's supposed to be. And then you rip that kind of identity away from this team. And we're all trying to wonder how we're supposed to talk about the subject and where exactly the mojo has gone for that running back room. And, of course, we have to make sure we apply that conversation to the offensive line and the inability to gain any kind of a push and really any of these matchups definitively, whether we're talking about a Power 5 opponent or an FBS opponent or an FCS opponent this season – it's 10 for 10 really on Penn state, just not being the clearly more physical team at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Insanity. The definition of insanity is recording the same post game podcast over and over again. It seems like <laughs> it feels like last year again. Oh no. <laughs> Although we didn't get to talk about uh fake field goals to, to the, from the holder no. to the punter um, on previous episodes. So thanks for a little bit of fresh material. That one, I, that one, I don't like, I, you know, the call um, schematically, Okay. I mean, Jordan Stout's a really athletic kicker, but at the same time, it's, it's not getting done. If you don't have the trust in your offense, and James Franklin said this afterward, that everybody knows they're not good at short yardage. Well, if you don't have the trust in your offense to get two yards or to take a shot and give, you know, if even if it doesn't work, have Michigan take over at the two, at the two yard line. Okay. Everybody will take that. But then you go out, you run a seconds fake. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's one of those things where I just mentioned, you look like you're trying to outcoach somebody, outsmart somebody, and they won't possibly do it again, you know, after the fake punt on the first, on the first drive, which was really, you know, a really well executed play. Um, and then you turn it around and and you make Jordan Stout catch a ball from Rafcheca that's thrown behind him. 
And it's just, uh, it's a waterfall from there. And that's how you lose opportunities. And that's how you lose ball games. What else do we have to talk about here, Mr. Fitz? I, I, I hope like we, not much more. I, I, put, yeah. I, I put together a rundown like I always do, and, and then uh, we always just blow obliterate that. We usually have a like clock this. in the upper right-hand corner, and uh, <laughs> yes, now we're, yeah. we have to record on Zoom today, and we don't have that clock. So it could be it could be anywhere. I'm not sure what, how long we've whatever been talking. Left <laughs> whatever Hopefully. leftovers we do have we will get we'll get to them on monday i do want to just say uh big picture stuff real quick coming out of this uh third top 10 opponent in five weeks for penn state uh obviously they own three in those matchups they've got another coming up november 27th with michigan state in east lansing Rutgers coming to town at five and five to face the six and four penn state squad get ready for a weird senior week and get ready for a lot of weird bull talk with bowls that you may not have known existed until Penn state plays in them this December. Yeah. The big 10 has got a Vegas bowl again. So I think everybody's, everybody's looking to that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it, it's tough because you, you say three top 10 opponents in five weeks and you've been in the game or in control of certain segments of those games. Now let's be honest. I don't think I was a top 10 team. I don't think Michigan's a top 10 team. I think Ohio state's probably, you know, from a traditional ranking standpoint, not as good as as they've been in the past. Um, so, but but that that's college football these days. You got Georgia, you got Alabama, you got everybody else, and and you can even you can even find people to argue the Alabama side of it. Uh, you know, but uh, that's frustrating because you've been close. Um, but as I said, you keep getting close, you keep falling short, and that's that's an issue. They led in the fourth quarter against Michigan. They led in the fourth quarter against Iowa. And against Ohio State, it was a three-point deficit in the fourth quarter for Penn State. End of the day. I knew I could count losses. on you to bring me those stats to just jam yeah. it further in people's eyeballs. Yeah, <laughs> just to reinforce. Holes, guess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're not well, hey, we, we, this week. Yeah. For those of us who uh, for those who do join us for these, uh, some call them therapy sessions, um, we do appreciate it. We know that some of you just skip right over this. For those of you, you're not hearing us now, but we'll talk to you for Rutgers week. Uh, Penn State dropping a six and four, four out of five games now on the wrong side of the scoreboard. Rutgers, Michigan State, bowl game to be determined. And that's a wrap on this 2021 season, which has changed so tremendously uh, in just the last month. Plus, Sean, good work out of you. We'll talk again on Monday. Thanks to all of our listeners. I'm Tyler Donahue. As always, this is the Lions 24-7 podcast. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.